0: Welcome to Bible study, everybody. Great to see you tonight. Good to see you, Andy. Yeah, thanks for rolling with the parking situation. Back lots being, I believe, restriped uh, with new and improved features that don't benefit us at all. So uh, there we have it. It was widened too, though. They brought it all the way to the house. So it's a, a new, a new iteration of what the parking lot could be and maybe uh, in the future so we're pretty excited to see what may happen and what may not happen with our parking lot situation in the back so uh, thanks for your patience tonight thanks for rolling with it and working with it so we're glad you're here Going to start our time in prayer so let's pray father thanks for uh, your love uh, we want to just first of all your love we just say thanks thank you that you love us you care for us you look out for us you want the best for us. We give you thanks tonight that we have a good father who is really, really, really concerned and looking out for his children. So we thank you, Father, tonight. We thank you for your love for us, and we thank you, God, for your concern, your care, and your provision over our lives. We ask that tonight that you would speak to us. We pray that we'd have ears to hear. We pray you'd bring revelation we pray, God, that we'd be open to receive that revelation. We pray, God, for your glory to manifest. We pray, God, that we would recognize your glory even as it manifests in our midst. We thank you, Jesus, that you are here. If we gather it in your name. We ask God for your anointing. Pray, Father, that we would receive of you for asking in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you have your Bibles, we're going to open up to Psalm 27. And as you're doing that, just want as a friendly reminder, we have a feature during our Monday Night Bible Study where you can interact with us. If you are listening to this from AFAR, uh, you can interact with us uh, through a website, wwwspeakpipespeakpipecom slash Monday Night Bible Study, all in word. You go there, and there is a button. You can toggle it and you can leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, It could be a question, comment, something good guys doing, whatever it would be. So, uh, we would really, really love to hear from you. If you think of doing that this week, that'd be great. So, take advantage of that. Also, uh, Tim, who uh, was just here last week, is now in Belfast, Northern Ireland. And so, Wanted to shout out to Tim uh, over in Ireland because he does listen to the podcast. And so, Tim, uh, welcome back to Ireland, Northern Ireland. And we look forward to hearing some of the good things that God is doing there. All right, if you need a Bible, go ahead and grab one off the table. We're going to open up to Psalm 27 and verse 4. Psalm 27, 4. And if someone would read that, we'll get things rolling. One thing I ask from the Lord is, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gaze on the beauty of the Lord, and to seek Him in His temple. All right. Do you recognize this verse from anything else? There's a song we sing. In fact, it's one of our original songs that we wrote, uh, and it was written in 6-8 time before that was a thing in Christian music. So uh, yeah, it's one of our songs, and they took it, at least a good portion of it from Psalm 27. So it starts off with the, the phrase, one thing, and whenever I hear one thing, I think of a word, uh, and that word is Pure. Uh, Pure is, uh, that's what pure means. It means to be made of one substance, to be one thing. And so, uh, purity is something that I think the the connotations of have drifted into some weird areas, uh, for Christians especially, because when we think of purity, we often think of things that have nothing to do with being one thing. Uh, Or if they do have something to do with being one thing, it's a real stretch to get it there. So, Uh, I don't need to go over what and how that's been taken and used for different things, but I want to bring it back to simplicity, and that is in our understanding and in the way that we understand what purity is, purity is one thing. Because I want you to think about it. It's like if if you have divided aims, what do you really have? And he talks about that is one thing, that he desires one thing that he's going to seek after. But if you have divided aims, you have distractions. Uh, you have divided aims, you have weakness, disappointment. I mean, all those things go with that. It, there's something about the simplicity of being single-minded. There's something about the simplicity of, of having a single focus. There's something about the simplicity of really looking at something and, and letting it be a pure thing in your life. And our relationship with God, being in his presence, spending time with him, that's one good thing that we can take and focus and we can aim our life at. I think sometimes we get so divided, we get so distracted, we get so in so many different directions that we're no good at anything. And I mean, seriously, no good at anything. It's, uh, it's just an issue that I think our society breeds. Uh, we we over plan, we over schedule, we overwork, we divide ourselves to the point that we're not doing anything well, and this is one thing we really need to do well, and the one thing that he talks about in these verses, and and I want you to think about the last word I said in this. It was disappointment. Yeah, because nothing is the way it should be, and so yeah, you can get everything halfway or a quarter of the way, or you get one thing three-quarters of the way, the other thing a quarter of the way, however you, you look at doing it, but nothing is all the way done, nothing is all the way accomplished, nothing is all the way the way it's supposed to be, and that creates disappointment because it doesn't work out. Well, what doesn't work out? Well, nothing works out, and that's part of the problem. And so there needs to be some type of, of focus in our life, and I know that sounds really simple, and, and you're thinking to yourself, "Yeah, but Andy, you don't know how busy I am?" Well, I kind of do. I mean, I'm busy. I kind of get that. Well, you, you know what it's like to have kids? Yeah, I do, actually. I, I do. Or Or you know what it's like to have a dog? Yep. I got a dog. And he's a, he, he's a stubborn dog that doesn't do what I tell him. Well, he does when nobody's around, but, I mean, you've seen him. I call him, and he just stands there and looks at me. You know, that's him. All right, and then we have a little puppy in the house. I mean, there's all kinds of things going on. So, I mean, if you think about it, there, there are always distractions. There's always something else to do. There's always something else to, to get our attention. But there needs to be some point, some way, somehow that we could be, have a purity, a simplicity of thought when it comes to being in God's presence. And I'll get to a little bit more about what I'm talking about with this as we move forward. Because when, when, as people discuss this, as people describe what that means, I think there's a practicality to it. I think there, there's a certain practicality of, of what it means to have a, a single-mindedness toward God. I think there's a practicality of what it means to make him one thing in our life. Because, I mean, you look at it and you can say, oh, well, you know, but I've got this, this, and this to do. And how am I supposed to, how is he supposed to be one thing, but I've got to go to work? Or how is he supposed to be one thing, but I've got to do this or that or whatever the thing is? And so there is a practicality to it that we really need to think about. So we'll try to get to that. But that one thing and that purity doesn't depend on where we are. And, and that that begins to compound what I'm about to say. Because it really doesn't matter where you are. You know, because when it talks about... Because this is talking about the temple, the tabernacle. This is talking about you know David. Talking about actually being in a place. But we know that that's not the case anymore. That God doesn't make his dwelling place in buildings. God doesn't make his dwelling place in, in certain cities even. He doesn't make his dwelling place even in certain nations. But his temple or... His tabernacle is everywhere. It's in us. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so because he goes with us wherever we go, then what this is talking about is a recognition more than it is actually showing up to a physical place. David, when he wrote this, was talking about a physical place. But it's really a misunderstanding of the psalm To only leave it at that, because we're in a different place in time. We're in a different understanding of how God operates. We're in a different understanding of where God is. He doesn't dwell in a little box anymore. And that little box doesn't dwell in a temple or a tabernacle anymore. And that's not how we recognize His presence. That's not how we understand who He is and where He is. In fact, that understanding of God was for a very limited time. In the history of mankind that wasn't forever before I mean Abraham didn't see God that way Isaac didn't see God that way Jacob didn't see God that way Joseph didn't see God that way see all the patriarchs and, and, and you can go back Noah didn't see God that way and, and and Adam they didn't see God that way he didn't dwell in a box he didn't live in a tent he didn't live in a building They saw God as bigger than that. They saw God as being transcendent of all of those things. And they served a God that was everywhere. They served a God. They understood a God that that made His dwelling among people like us. They got it. Now, we have some additional information about our, our bodies being the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay. All right. But it's not a new idea that God is everywhere. It's not a new idea that God dwells with man, with people. It's not a new idea. And so really expanding our understanding of that. I can remember even you know, early Christian, as an early Christian, you know, well, we've got to go to such and such a place, and that's where we seek the Lord. Well, why? And I can remember thinking that you know, to myself. I mean, I was just a young Christian. I just figured I didn't know. But I remember thinking to myself, why? Why do you have to go to that place to seek the Lord? Why do you got to go to that location or that building? Or why do you need to go to this person? Or why do you have to go to that country or that city in order to seek the Lord? Why? How is that possible? Because God is everywhere. Well, I just figured I didn't understand it. And looking back, I probably understood more than I thought I did. I probably had a better revelation of, of what I really thought I had. Because as I began to move forward in Jesus, and I began to move forward in my relationship with him, that which I thought way back then made a lot more sense to me than what people were telling me. Because I still couldn't reconcile it. And I spent a lot of years trying to reconcile that. You know, people would call their churches the tabernacle, or people would call their churches the, you know, Whatever. Like, that's the dwelling place of God. Well, God doesn't dwell at 512 Westcott Street exclusively. All right? He's here. Well, we're here. All right? And, and so we're here. He's here. That's good. I like that. But then if you go out of here, you get in your car. You know where he is? He's in your car. You know where if you go and you get in your kitchen, you know where he is, he's in your kitchen. You're at home, he's he's at home with you. You're shopping, he's out shopping with you. You go to school, he's at school. You're driving, he's driving with you. And what begins to happen is there needs to be a breakdown in our minds of a barrier between the sacred and the secular. Those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, Thank Jesus, you don't know what I'm talking about. All right, and just leave it that way. Those of you that do know what I'm talking about probably came from some kind of a church or religious background, and you were taught from the time that you were little, little, that there was a barrier between the sacred and the secular. And really what the New Testament does and what Jesus does is break that barrier down. There is no barrier. The idea that there's a barrier between the sacred and the secular is an Old Testament law concept. And that's what it is. Yeah. When Christ died, even that Old Testament thing, when the veil was torn, right. on the tabernacle, was ripped open. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, correct. And I think that the writer of the Gospels that described that, the idea of that was to let people know that it no longer applies. All right. Again, again, the idea of the law, the concept of the law, the concept of the tabernacle, the concept of the temple and the way that they understood it was only for a specified amount of time. And before that time, they didn't have that concept. And after that time, neither should we. You know, it's it's frightening how much of the New Testament church is based on the Old Testament law. And I don't think that's a good thing. I think they already hashed that out in the book of Acts. I think they already hashed out in the book of Hebrews what's taken place. And the way that we should understand it. And the way that we should respond to it. Because our daily lives are sacred. Our daily lives are secular. Okay, both. Because God dwells in us. Alright? And where God is, that's holy ground. Alright? If you want to go back Old Testament on it. Alright? So there is no barrier. The barrier has gone. So wherever we go and whatever we're doing, there he is. There he is. I mean, people, in order to maintain their bad theology, will make up more bad theology in order to maintain bad theology. All right? People say, well, God can't look upon evil. Well, sure he can. He does all the time. I mean, the Bible even describes it. It's like, where are you going to go to get away from the presence of God? The psalmist describes it. If you go up into the heavens, he's there. If you go down into Sheol, he's there. He's everywhere. So tell me God can't look upon what? He can look upon anything. And so we're going to make up some bad theology in order to support our bad theology. We're going we're to create a separation that just does not exist. What, God's not in you every time you sin? Why is he hopscotching in and out of you? No, I mean, think about that for a second. It's like, he's with you. And if you sin, you sin. And if you repent, you repent. And he's right there. His presence is powerful in our lives regardless. I've never played this game before. I don't want to play this game. I don't play the game about, oh, you know, if I sin and I get hit by a bus... Am I still going to be okay? I don't play that game. It's a dumb game. If I sin and get hit by a bus, do I still know Jesus? Yeah. Do I still love him? Yeah. Does he still love me? Yes. Is he still with me? Of course. Well, I'm not going to play that game. Just not. And so I encourage you to begin to break down these walls. Again, I'm only talking to re- the religious among us. And you may not consider yourself religious, but if you have this idea, you're religious. It's such a bad idea. And it's only taught in certain circles. So you had to get it somewhere. All right? And so I want you to think all right, if you got that idea, that wall needs to tumble down because it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. None. Not with any understanding of what God's all about. It doesn't. And so as, you're, as we're looking at this, and we're looking at this idea that God is with us no matter where we go or what we do, so what activity is which? It doesn't matter. They're the same. I'm going shopping. What are you doing? I'm going shopping. Is God with you? Yeah. I'm watching TV. Is God with you? Yeah. I'm going to school. Is God with you? Yeah. I'm in the kitchen cooking. Yeah. Driving. Yeah. Whatever it is, there's no barrier. You're worshiping, he's there. You're reading the Bible, he's there. You're praying, he's there. Right? So, what's the barrier? He's there anyway. All right? The only thing that changes over the course of our day isn't him, it's, it's us. It's our attention, it's our recognition. That's what changes. He's there. And whether or not we acknowledge him, whether or not we recognize him, whether or not we we are paying attention to it, that becomes the real issue. Not whether or not he's there, it's whether or not we're responding, whether or not we're recognizing, whether or not we're aware of what's going on. All right. So I'm building up to something here. That's where we're heading. So that the psalmist goes on and says this one thing that... I have desired. You know what? Desiring something isn't enough. And you guys heard me talk about this a lot. It's like that word desire is like, well, I want to. I want to do something. Well, good for you. I want it. I want to do something. Well, that's good, but it's never enough. Just to want to do something. You got to take some kind of action. If you're serious about wanting to do something, you need to step and take a step in that direction. All right, you just got to do it. Otherwise, I want to do something. doesn't matter. It's, uh, you got to take that. So like, what he says here is that I have desired this thing, but I'll also seek after it. All right? One thing have I desired, that also will I seek after. See, that's the action step. So I'm going to desire it. Good. Well, I want that. Well, then you need to step, take a step and, and get after it. That's you really moving forward in something. And so I want to encourage you not to just stop at that one point. Well, I want that. Oh, yeah, okay. You know, if you looked at everything in the world that people want, all right, and then you look at the people who actually take a step to do it, man, there's a lot more people wanting than there are doing. Right? Right? And people say, well, I want it. Yeah, all right. Well, you got to get up and do it. And it's always that way. It's always that way. I want this. Well, then you've got to get up and do it. I've got to the point in my life where I almost stop myself whenever I say something like that. I'll say something like, yeah, I really want... Uh, shut up. <laughs> the day I really want is the day I take a step toward it. All right? The day I really want something bad enough, and I really mean it, in my heart and in my life, I'm going to take a step toward it, and I'm going to do something about it. Till then, I pretty much just need to shut up. And I'm trying to catch myself more and more to shut up, just shut it, shut up, and that's it. So he goes on. He says one thing is there is he wants to dwell in the house of the Lord. He wants to live in God's house. Well. For us, that's kind of uh, easy, because God's house is everywhere. Everywhere we are, why? Because we're God's house. All right, He lives in us. So no matter where you go, there He is. And so we go wherever. And I already went over this just a second ago, but it's it's wherever, and it's easy. It's not hard it's like i desire and so i'm going to take a step and so the, the the physical aspect of it isn't the hard part that's what i was trying to say before it's like it's like the, the the physical part of it isn't the issue the part of it's the issue is what's going on in your heart and your mind that's the issue god being there isn't the issue you being in whatever place you're in isn't the issue cuz wherever you go there you are so you that's not an issue at all So you're where you're at. He's where you're at. Those two things are already taken care of. The real battle is in here. The real battle is in your mind and in your heart and in your spirit. That's where the battle takes place. And so as the psalmist says, I want to live with God. I want to dwell in his presence. Well, let the battle begin. Because you can say you want that, but until you engage the enemy and you engage in the battle in your mind, you take a step in that direction, it doesn't mean anything. You have to take a step. You have to move out. You have to move forward. You have to make a change if it's going to mean anything at all. And so here he goes, the desire of the psalmist, and this is the desire of the psalmist. I'm going to give it to you. Here it is. You ready? The desire of the psalmist is that we should be able to maintain an unbroken consciousness of being in God's presence. Wow. The desire of the psalmist is that we should be able to maintain an unbroken consciousness of being in God's presence. That's what I said. In other words, that we are recognizing that we're in touch with him all the time. And that's hard. I'm not even, even going to tell you anything different. That, that's hard. That's really hard. Because you've got to get above the daily work to realize your communion with him. Because we're all doing something all day, right? We're all engaged in something all day, pretty much. We got jobs, we got things we need to do, we got work to do, we got things around the house that we need to do, we got chores, we got errands to run, we got driving to do, we got all these different things that need to get done. But there needs to be in us, and and here's, I think, this is what I believe to be the answer to this, and that is we need to look for an undercurrent in our lives. An undercurrent. Where we can recognize God's presence while we're doing other things. And what do I mean by that? I mean like a song. You ever catch yourself just singing a song while you're doing something else? That's what I mean. There can be an undercurrent in our minds. There can be an undercurrent in our spirit. There can be an undercurrent in our heart like singing a song. A lot of times when I go hiking, And I'm hiking for I don't know how many hours or whatever. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm just hiking. And and there are days where I will sing the same worship song for eight hours in a row. And it will just continually go through my head. And I'll even be thinking about other things. I'll be considering other things. I'll be solving world problems, you know, or whatever (laughs) I think I'm doing. And I've got all these thoughts going through, but that song just continues in my head all the time. You know, whether it's a worship song or whatever, has got stuck in my head last, but I can have a conversation while I'm hiking. And so I'm doing two things, right? And I still have the song in my head. So there's three things going on. And that's what I, I want to encourage you to look for in your life, is that undercurrent. to 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 begin to practice... That undercurrent of recognizing god's presence of, of realizing that that you're with him, that he's with you, of realizing that communion while you're doing other stuff. I know you got stuff to do. I get it, but there can be something else going on in us. We prove that I mean unless you've never had that happen with a song, I mean then you've proven it you got it. What's that? I think that's possible. What? <laughs> maybe. Well, so, so what we're trying to do is get Jesus stuck in our head, all right? And maybe it'll, it'll take the form of a, a song sometimes. Maybe that's how we recognize His presence as we, we keep that song going in our minds, in our hearts, in our spirit. Or maybe it's a prayer, or maybe we're praying in tongues. Or maybe we're praying with the understanding. Or maybe we're, we're worshiping somehow. Or maybe it's just a, a that, that, that really low undercurrent of God's with me and I'm with him. And just recognizing his love or his presence or his forgiveness or his grace in our life. Maybe. And I, and I suppose that's what I'm trying to get at. is This is something that you'd have to practice. It's something I'd have to practice. It's something that that we really need to foster. We need to grow in our hearts. We need to grow in our lives. To get beyond the mundane and get beyond the everyday. Because that's all going to happen. But this undercurrent goes with us no matter what. And the only thing I'll tell you about that is when something doesn't go our way, but this undercurrent's flowing in us, well, that thing that doesn't go our way doesn't seem so bad anymore. The only thing I can tell you is that in in situations where you would normally become very um, nervous or or anxious, but you have this undercurrent going, it really fights that that fear in us. It really fights that anxious feeling. It really does. And I can't describe it to you other than that. I can't describe it to you other than than it's there and it's real and, and you'll notice it. In the daily things of life. Because it's going to make the daily things of life easier. Does that mean your work's easier? In a sense, yeah. Because you know what? You're going to be more productive when you're not so upset. You're going to be more productive when you're not dealing with anxiety. You're going to be more productive when you're not dealing with anger. You're going to be more productive when you've got this flow going on with the Holy Spirit. and, And he is an inspirer. He's an encourager. He's one that they can speak into a situation as we're connected to him to give wisdom, even. Because I don't know if you know this about him, but no matter what you do, he already knows everything about it. All right? You might be a specialist in, in, uh, in whatever it is. You know, Jesus knows architecture. Jesus knows roof design. Jesus knows counseling. In fact, the Holy Spirit is the counselor. He knows what he's doing. Jesus knows all your machines, Patrick. Jesus knows about hearing aids, Dave. (laughs) He knows about teaching kids, too. He knows all about teaching. He's a great teacher. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. Yeah, he teaches us. He even knows about concrete, Dave. Everything about concrete. He knows even more than you know about concrete. I mean, you can have it out with him and see, but I think he's going to, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> he knows about quality, Aphrodite. He's all about it. Top quality, excellence. Yeah, it's true. About hospitals and, and doctoring stuff. And he knows about like athletic training stuff. And, and you know he hearts art. You know that, <laughs> right? He is the creator. Yeah. So, so, I mean, he knows all about it. So it's nice to be in touch with him. Right? It's really nice. And so that's a little challenge for us. He, he, the psalmist goes on, and he says this. He says, the look at his beauty. And that word beauty is his, it has to do with his, his grace and his favor. I mean, that word beauty has more to do with him being gracious toward us than it has to do with being pretty or handsome. Because what he's talking about is I want to really look at his beauty. Literally to see into the favor of the Lord. To see into the favor of the Lord. That's what it literally means. To gaze into it. To me that's powerful. To to meditate on his gracious, gracious nature. Because he is gracious. He is loving. To look into something means to, in, to inquire, is to look into something, to ponder and to meditate on it. And then there's another side of it that's kind of a selfish side, and, it's, and, and it also means to refresh oneself. I'm going to refresh myself in, in really thinking about, really pondering how, how gracious he is, how much favor he pours out on my life. And to really dwell in that. And maybe that's part of the undercurrent, is to really just let that rest in your heart. And think about it every now and then, and consider it, and allow the Holy Spirit to remind you of that throughout the day, throughout whatever you're doing. The idea, like I said, of getting above the everyday work, and and having a realization of that communion, of, of what that means. To really take some time and worship as we as we think about it. You know, the word meditate really means to look at something and just consider it. And to continue to consider it and to think about it. And to allow it to, to find a resting place in us somewhere. Sometimes we hear words and they just bounce off of us. We hear words and they go in and out. Our ears, we, we get like the, the millisecond connotation of it and that was it but there's a lot to consider about God's grace and about his mercy and about his love for us they're huge I'm not sure if we thought about them for the rest of our lives that we could really get a full grasp on it I know we can't in a partial grasp just thinking about one thing thinking about his love it's so big I don't know that we could even even begin to grasp that think about what grace is what does that mean to him? How that been manifest in my life? I don't think we can even begin to get a grasp on that. Mercy, that, that concept, the whole idea of mercy. Okay, and you, you know, all you have to do is start thinking about it. It's like, well, how do I practice mercy? Not very well. How does he practice mercy? Really well. When's he merciful? All the time. When's he been merciful to me today? Well, I could probably think of a few times. What about yesterday? number of times, you know, and you start thinking about, well, how big is that? How do you do that? What does that even mean? It's like uh, merciful. Like, What what are the implications of being merciful? Well, you might be a sucker. Uh All right? That's part of the implication. Is God a sucker? Well, not really. So maybe I got a bad idea about that. I should rethink that. Okay, so it's not being a sucker, then it's something else. All right, you following what I'm saying? I'm just thinking out loud. That could take all day. I do that all the time. Like especially, like I said, when I'm hiking or something like that, or, or I'm in one of many mindless tasks that I do, All right, I will think about stuff like that and just let it kind of roll around in my head. I can do other stuff while I'm doing that. Or Maybe it's just as simple as thinking about His mercy and what that means to me and how comforting that is. That feels really good. His grace feels really good. I can rest in that. And I could do other stuff while I'm thinking about that. Alright? So, it doesn't even have to be active. But it's an undercurrent of what you're doing. And that's what I'm trying to get you toward. So, what's your song? What's your song about God? And it doesn't have to be a literal song. I'm just saying, what's that thing that can roll around in your heart, or roll around in your mind, or roll around in your spirit? You know, why, are, why do songs get stuck in your head? Huh? Well, they're catchy, but what does that mean? What does it mean that a song is catchy? Well, right, but what catches, though? It gets your attention, but there's something else. There's some other reason. Attention is the first thing that it does. Then what happens? So you hear a song, it gets your attention, and then what happens? Why does it get stuck? Why? You start singing it. All right, so you start singing it. it got your attention. It's catchy. So now what, what does that mean it's catchy, though? It means that it is likely easy for you to remember. And so you start singing it over and over and over and over and over, and over again. All right. So what, what could be the secret... Are one of the secrets of getting this undercurrent going in your life. Worship. Worship is one of the secrets because songs are easy for us to remember like that. What else is a good secret with that? What do you need to do with something in order to get it going in your in that undercurrent? What do you have to do over and over and over and over and over and over again? You gotta let it you gotta get it in there. Get it in there and get it get it, let it turn over a bunch of times in your heart, a bunch of times in your mind, a bunch of times in your spirit. There's certain verses that have turned over in my heart, in my spirit so many times, I just know them. And and, and in certain situations they come right up and I'll catch myself saying stuff before I'm thinking it actively. Because it's in there you got to get it in there. And that might take a little bit of effort on your part. Can we bring that song back? Well, we sing it. We still do it. Yeah, it's one of those six, eight songs. It's just plowing forward forever. <laughs> it never stops. Yeah, that's how it goes. <laughs> All right. I want to take a few moments uh, tonight, and I've left a little bit of time uh, to do this. But I want to take a few moments to really begin this process. And so I want to encourage you to, you can get use the verse that we're on right now, Psalm 27.4. Or you can find a different verse. Maybe there's a verse that God has been speaking to you through. Maybe it's something as simple as John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And maybe pondering his love. You know, maybe it's a different verse. You know, maybe you're thinking, Wow, the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God. Maybe it's maybe that's gonna be something. Or maybe you want to think about the anointing that God has given you. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, because God was with him. And, and you know God is with you. Or you want to know that more. You want to recognize his presence more. Maybe it's something else. I don't know. All right? Maybe you need to look up a verse. Maybe you need to find something. But let's begin the process. Let's begin the process of letting some things really begin to sink in. Maybe it's a song. Maybe you want to start with a song and there's just something you want to start rolling in your heart, in your mind as an undercurrent right now. Let it roll. Let it begin. So just take a few moments and then uh, I think we might share a little bit. After you get something, you don't have to share, but you can. And then I want to pray for this process to begin in earnest in each one of us. Anybody have anything right off the bat? You know, they're just letting it. You just letting it begin to to sink in and let it begin to 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 get rolling around. You got one. Set a fire. That's a good song. I have a verse and a song. It's from Psalms too, but better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Yeah. 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 The one thing that I desire. Yeah. 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 Amen. Good. My hope is in you. Song or Yeah. I get partial verses sometimes. Yeah? I'm just thinking of things. Uh-huh. I tell you the truth you will do greater things than these. Right. That's good Jesus word. That's red. Yeah? That's in the red. I've uh wondered the Lanasco uh Hope of Deliverance from the Darkness that surrounds us. What's that? Hope of deliverance uh-huh. from the darkness that surrounds us. It's a Let it get stuck, man. Uh-huh. Like all day today, remember I caught myself that was I was still singing. Right. Yeah. It's good work. Yeah, yeah. I get stuck sometimes at the Great I Am. Great the Great I Am. Yeah, I was just singing that today. Yeah. Anybody else want to share anything? Good stuff. I get like kids songs stuck in my head. Children's songs? Children's songs. Yeah. Me to out. me, they're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Well I'll get VeggieTales songs in my head i don't I don't know how edifying, but you know like where's my hairbrush I, I don't know how that really is applying to this but <laughs> no hair no fair yeah, sorry I don't want to get that in your head sorry. <laughs> All right, Father, I just pray that uh, you would really uh, solidify and I pray that you would sink some of these truths deep into us, uh, whether it be a verse, a song, whatever it is, God, I pray that uh, we would allow that to flow in the undercurrent of our hearts, in the undercurrent of our minds, in our spirits. And I pray, Father, that we'd be conscious of this. We would, uh, in some ways, as we start our day, really... Be conscious of starting and allowing that flow to continue throughout our day. I just ask you, God, that we would be a people living in your presence, recognizing your presence, really finding peace and rest in your presence, really drawing from your presence, refreshment, really drawing from your presence, the revelation, really drawing from your presence, peace and joy really drawing for what it means to be connected to you and recognizing that connection. And so God, I just ask that we would we would not we would not just live as orphans, but we would live as children with a father that is loving us, a father that is providing for us, a father that is really, really looking out for us. And I just ask you, God, that Uh, we would meditate on your grace, we meditate on your love, that we would meditate on your favor. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I pray that it just get deep within us. I pray for a new depth for each one of us of your word, Uh, a new depth of understanding, revelation, a new depth, God, of just your continued presence in us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So, God, tonight we give you thanks. And uh, I just ask you, God, for a, a new place for each one of us in our hearts and in our minds. I pray for this one to stick in the days ahead. We ask it in Jesus' name. I screw by saying, Amen. 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 you go, uh, real quick, uh, we're going to be on Bible study, My Night Bible study is going to be a little bit of a hiatus uh, for the next few weeks, so uh, we will resume it, I'll let you know when we resume it, but uh, we won't be having Bible study for a few weeks, so um, I will miss all of you, and uh, just to let people know that, and people that listen to the podcast know that, and we will get resuming it soon enough, so. Uh, That would be it. So thank you for coming tonight. Thank you for being a part, and we'll see you again.